Hey siblings, welcome back to another episode of Agape Answers, and I'm so excited because today's conversation is relevant, pertinent, and necessary. It is not only Mental Health Awareness Month, but it is also the week following Mother's Day, and our guest today is sharing her experience in losing her mother at only 18 years old. Shelby J. Miles is a native of Durham, North Carolina. She is a recent alumna of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. In the fall, she will be pursuing her Master's in Divinity at Wake Forest University with hopes to pursue itineracy orders within the AME Church. She is the author of Leap and the Advent Devotional, and she is also the host of Secure Sessions with Shelby Janice, a podcast to combat intrinsic insecurities with godly affirmation. Shelby's dream is to cultivate spaces that converge paradigms of faith and mental health advocacy. It's her ultimate mission to serve all with love, light, and intentionality. Trigger warning for today includes loss, and we know that that can be traumatic for some, so if this is something that you are not comfortable with at this time, feel free to join us back next month, okay? I hope you enjoy today's episode, and I pray you can feel the love. Hello everyone. Today I am joined by a very special guest. We are discussing something rather heavy today, but Miss Shelby Miles, an amazing woman of God and minister of the gospel, has offered herself to join us today and is taking the world by storm as she's publicly committed herself to highlighting the intersections between mental health as well as spiritual growth. So I would love to offer the floor to her to introduce herself before we dive into this conversation. Hi y'all, I am Shelby, Um, I'm Shelby Miles and I'm a 24 year old um, person, I said person, but I'm about to be a student again. Um, I'll be going to Wake Divinity School in the fall. So um, yes, pray for me. But um, right now I currently am the author of Leap, which is um, a devotional. It was an Advent devotional and it's entitled Live Entirely at Peace. Um, And it was kind of inspired by the topic that we're talking about today, actually. Um, And so, yeah, I'm just a regular old, you know, girl just living life. But yes. (laughs) Oh, no, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. You all go get Leap. Um, It's on Amazon, right? Yes. Okay, awesome. You guys go grab that and support her. I know I need to get my copy, so (laughs) but I'm going to get mine for sure, especially after today. Um, But I will start with an opening question. What experience with loss defined grief for you? Um, so there has been many experiences, but I think the main one that had the most impact on my definition of grief was losing my mother um, during my first year of college during winter break. Um, so that was a sudden loss, a sudden transition that no one was prepared for. Um, but yes, it definitely really um, opened my eyes as um, it opened my eyes towards the definition of grief and also just life in general. I always say it's weird how death can teach you so much about life, but it does. Um, So definitely me losing my mom taught me a lot about grief. So how old were you when that happened? I was 18. Yes, I was 18 years old. That's crazy to say, but yes, I was 18 years old. Um, And it happened, which, yeah, it ironically happened on winter break, which is like weird because that's the least 
Um, or that's the thing that you wouldn't even think that would happen while you're about to celebrate Christmas. But um, yeah, I was 18 years old. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for giving that context. I remember when that happened, it really struck everyone. But my next question would be, it has been said that grief is the price that we pay for love. How has the reality of the end of life challenged your faith? That is such a good question. Um, so I always say that the reality of, you know, us not always being here on earth has challenged my faith, but it also has enhanced my faith. But um, I will say it definitely challenged my faith. Um, me losing my mom has challenged my faith in the fact that like now I find myself really dealing with the debris of trauma um, and I deal with it through anxiety actually and um, depression. So that is honestly the opposite of faith, you know, um, dealing with fear and dealing with anxiety can be seen as very antithetical to faith. Um, but it's the reality um, because of the price of grief. When you lose a loved one, you might be boggled down by depression. You might be boggled down by anxiety. And to be honest, I found myself being boggled down by both depression and anxiety. I wouldn't necessarily say like right when my mother passed, but definitely right after when I had to really move forward with life, then I realized like, hey, I can't really move forward because here I am dealing with um, depression and anxiety because of this. So um, yes, I would say that grief and just um, me losing my mom definitely challenged my faith in that sense. But where I would say it kind of enhanced it is because um, I think, honestly, I always say this, but faith was really my lifeline. It was the only thing that I kind of had to hold on to of just believing like trouble cannot last always. It just cannot like life has to get better because right now it just feels like complete crap. But um, something has to come out of this. So that's what I'm going to hold on to. I'm going to hold on to that truth of the faith that I believe in, the faith that my mom taught me, but most importantly, the faith that I believe I believe in. You get what I'm saying? Um, because I just had to believe in something bigger than the moment um, than I was experiencing at that time. So um, I will say it was weird, like listening about songs and listening to ser sermons and singing about heaven during that time, it was actually weird because I found myself having comfort in listening to those songs um, about heaven because it's like, okay, like I can look forward to the fact that my mom is in glory, um, she's in heaven. Um, or also when I get to heaven, I will see her, but also my savior. So it's just something that I know, like for me, it helped me, but I know that might not necessarily always be the case for everybody else. So that's valid too. But um, for me, I will say the loss of my mom has both challenged and enhanced my faith. So yeah. Wow. I appreciate so much how you speak about it. I appreciate that you recognize that every process is different and this process really is yours to define, which leads me to my next question. How has your understanding of grief changed over time? So again, what you just stated of like realizing that grief is different for everybody. Um, but also with losing my mother, I recognize that grief is not just you grieving the loss of a loved one. It's also you grieving parts of yourself that you lost when you lost that loved one, having to really reconcile me. Because when you lose something so vital to your actual existence, it's like, 
uh-oh, like, I don't really know who I am because my mom was such a, you know, a big part of who I was as a person. And then also I would say that um, I used to hear people say that grief gets better with time. That is so not true, in my opinion, um, only because I feel like grief will always be there. Like, I feel like you will always grieve because grief is, yeah, it's something that you just continuously wrestle with. But I will say that the fight becomes more tolerable. I wouldn't say it's easier um, because I say like with me being a woman and with my mother being my mom, like um, as it relates to womanhood, like I'm literally in a phase of emerging adulthood, emerging into what it really means to be a woman. Um, so I'm going to have experiences in life when it comes down to me being pregnant um, later on in life and me getting married or having my first child or whatever that I don't have that person that I could go to. You get what I'm saying? So like, I grieve that. I, I'm, I'm going to be grieving when I um, deal with these things that are joyous occasions of just like, mom is not here anymore. So like, I can find solace in other um, women in my life, but it's still not the same because of the fact that that was my mom. So I just say that grief is not something that just stops. No, it. <laughs> I think you will always be battling with grief um, until you die yourself in my opinion I can definitely recognize the severity of that because those milestones that you anticipated certain people in your life being present for or you anticipated going differently adjusting to the reality that it may look differently than you originally hoped or anticipated that's that's real so my next question is do you think that grieving as a young person or a young believer is different? Why or why not? Yes. So I do feel like um, grieving as a young adult is a little bit different, especially when you lose a parent, um, simply because, again, it's already stressful enough being a young adult. You get what I'm saying? Um, so I feel like a lot of us already undergird a lot of emotions like anxiety, like low self-esteem, like depression, because of just trying to figure out who we are as young adults. But to add on an extra layer of like losing a loved one and undergoing a traumatic experience, that's a lot. So I feel like that's it's a little bit different um, being a young person and also grieving. And then also I would say it is a little bit different um, grieving as a young believer, because I think I kind of tied into this um, with your faith being your lifeline, or I know my faith was my lifeline. That was something that I just really held on to in the process of grief. But sometimes, you know, understandably so, you might find yourself having questions for God um, or to God. You might be questioning God. You might have resentment towards God or whatever because of the grief that you are undergoing. And that is valid. Um, and I think that's a, just another added layer of something that other people might experience being a believer. But I think also because we are a believer, we can find solace in the fact that, hey, my faith is going to have to be enough to get me through this. So I'm really going to have to buy into my faith fully. I can definitely appreciate that. I think that having questions for God is a defining element of this stage of life. As a young believer, this is kind of just a part of the territory. Trusting God and believing God in K through 12 looks a lot, a lot different 
than it does in emerging adulthood. So I definitely can appreciate that. My next question for you would be, have you picked up any new practices, hobbies, things that you're clinging to in this stage of grief that have been helpful? Any new self-care practices, any new activities that you'd like to participate in? Yes, so um, new hobbies. I would say definitely singing, but that's not really a new hobby. I just more so feel like when you have a gift, whatever that gift may be, that gift is not always for everyone else. It could very well be for you um, to get you out of, the Bible says, strange land. Sometimes you have to sing your way um, through a strange land. And that's what I found myself doing. So um, in private moments, I would just sing a song that would get me through worshiping, praying, of course, um, but also writing, writing about my mother, writing poetry, um, yeah, just writing because one, she loved writing as well. She loved reading. She also loved um, writing some of her own original pieces. So that was always something that was just therapeutic for me. And then what else? Therapy, of course. Sometimes I have I have a weird relationship with therapy because I it's like off and on. So I'm working on that, but I always am an advocate for therapy um, and just finding a community of people. Um, that you feel comfortable with to just let everything out. But then again, just be be uh, very strategic and very intentional with who you do share um, yourself to, especially as it relates to just unpacking your trauma, because you don't want to cause anybody to be triggered by your own trauma. Um, so it's always best to go to a professional, of course. Um, but yeah, writing, singing, and then also something new that I found myself doing more is cooking. So my mom loved, loved cooking. I'm not a chef by any, <laughs> by any means, but I do find myself cooking like her staple recipes to remind me of her, but also to like, you know, indulge in some good food that reminds me of my mama because my mama used to cook and she used to throw down. Um, but yeah. That helps. I love it. Oh, she gonna sing us a little something. But oh, no, I'm not gonna put you on the spot. I'm not gonna put you on the spot. Um, but do you find yourself looking for ways to emulate the qualities that she embodied? And like, what does that look like for you? Oh, that is so. That is such a good question. Um, yes, I, I short answer yes, only because it's weird because I feel like I'm starting to look like my mom more. Um, so when I'm in the mirror, it's like actually very scary of like, oh my gosh, like I look like Roberta right now. Like sometimes I'll just say some sayings that's like, okay, that's definitely something my mom would say. But, um, so I guess I say that to say like in a certain, in a certain way, I feel like I already embody some of her qualities, um, not only physically, but just like in my nature, I'm very considerate like she is or she was. Um, and also me and her had this really like a knack for um, remembering birthdays. So when you tell us your birthday, I will remember. Like my mom was just like that. We just had like a weird gift of just remembering people's birthdays that are just like random. Um, and so I do find myself just doing small things like that, like she would. Um, and also I guess like because of my mom being a first lady, and because she was just a servant, like she literally embodied what it meant to be a servant of Christ um, and just how she gave. She was such a philanthropist in her own right. I find myself being 
very apt to just give and give and give um, only because it just reminds me of my mother. She just freely gave to so many people. Um, so yes, naturally, I already feel like I do embody a lot of her qualities, but I do feel like I, because of her loss or because of me losing her, um, I'm more apt to really try to give honor to her through my life. I love that. I love that so much. That makes perfect sense. I know after my grandmother passed last year, and I know I may mess up the number, so forgive me, but she has about seven or eight granddaughters. And when I look at them, each of us really just took one of her qualities and ran with it. Like some of us are fashionistas and some of us really like to write and some of us are just global citizens. And I know I do public speaking, so I try to honor her in that. So I definitely can understand that. And it's funny because it's like sometimes we don't even have to try. We just do it naturally. It kind of just flows through us. So I love that you feel that you are honoring her even when you're not trying. So my next question would be, as the world is experiencing this collective grief in this pandemic, in terms of racial injustice and things of that nature, what would you say to them as they cope with this um, immense feeling of bereavement? Right. Um, so with this pandemic, I just think it's so important that we practice, um, practice like compartmentalizing boundaries and actually using boundaries, understanding that like, hey, it's important that you honor yourself um, while dealing with the loss of your loved one, because again, you have lost a part of yourself. Um, and I feel like everybody in some way, shape or form has grieved during this pandemic, even if it wasn't um, of a close friend or a loved one. Again, it was of a sense of normality for just living like, yo, that's, you know, that's something traumatic, of course. So I think, um, I guess any advice that I could give is just recognizing your limits but actually creating boundaries based off of what you know that you can't take. Um, so it's one thing to recognize what things are not good for you to indulge in. But when you constantly say yes to the things that you should say no to, you're doing yourself a disservice at that point. Um, and at the end, even if it's with good intentions, like unselfish intentions, sometimes I feel like you have to be a little selfish in order to be selfless. I always say like you cannot pour from an empty well. So just find things that really can fill you up and just know that like, hey, you need to be filled up in order to give your best selves to the world. And just some things that I would always find solace is, uh, in is community. Even if that means like if I need to hop on a quick Zoom call for Bible study with some of my close friends, that's what I'm going to do. If I need to binge Netflix, you know, I'm going to do that and I'm not going to feel bad about it. Why? Because we're in a whole pandemic and I just feel like people, you know, we lose sight of like, hey, we're in a pandemic and it's been multiple pandemics in one pandemic, like a racial pandemic, coronavirus, COVID, it's been an epidemic of fear, like we, we have to do what we have to do in order to survive. But I also say sometimes you have to push past surviving to get towards thriving. Um, and the way to do that is just really honoring yourself um, in spaces where it's necessary to do so. But 
And those boundaries are for you. They're not for other people. Exactly. And I think it's so important to remember because sometimes you set a boundary and then you go back and you say, actually, no, it's okay. And then you do that for the sake of the other person and then you end up shortchanging yourself. Exactly. I think that's so, so important. Um, In terms of boundaries, I think that's a good segue into this next question. What do you think is the best way to go about supporting someone who is grieving? Mm, so again, Georgia, I love these questions. So thank you. Um, I always just say that the ministry of presence is just valid. I think sometimes people just feel like you always have to say something. And I would find myself like right around the time when my mother passed, because I am a PK, um, I feel like I have the training to like look beyond what is said to you when it's not, when it shouldn't be said. But what I'm learning is like, to listen to things that shouldn't be said to you and just let it continue to be said um, and not say anything like correct them in the spirit of love is like not beneficial for you. So I guess I say that to say like, I think people just need to recognize that when people are grieving, everybody grieves differently. We don't, we feel like we have an idea of the relationship that um, people have with those that they've lost. But we, you know, you don't fully know that. So I say it's never good to say, I understand. I understand what you're going through. Because to be honest, you don't fully understand it all. You don't. You might have an idea, which is something I say um, when I am trying to, like, uplift someone. I often say, like, I might have an idea, but then again, I don't fully understand what you're going through. But I'm going to be here for you. So how can I best serve you during this time of, you know, you grieving or whatever? And if you don't have the answer for that right now, that is totally fine. But I'm here when you want to answer that question. And if they don't answer how you could best um, help them in their grieving, um, I say just wait or wait with them. Just be with them. Just say, I'm here. I'm here. I love you. A simple I love you is always good. Um, but I guess the best support is, of course, the ministry of presence. And presence doesn't have to be filled with noise. It can just be filled with you being there for that person. Um, yes. So I think that's one way for sure. And just don't automatically assume, again, that you know what the person is going through. Because, again, every situation is different. Um, and honestly, we just want people to be there when one is just undergoing grief. Because it's just a, it's a weird emotion. Yeah, it's a weird emotion. Yeah, even if they lost um, their parent also, or even if they experienced the same relationship loss, you know, that relationship is specific to them. So we never really know. Um, And I guess a segue to another, I guess another layer of that question is, what do you wish more people knew when trying to console someone who's going through um, grief and bereavement? I just wish people, again, I think it's kind of a similar answer to the last question. Um, I just want people to understand like it's power and just being there for people without actually having to say things. Um, And just, you know, understand that grief has different, (laughs) different emotions to it. So sometimes a person might be grieving and they're laughing about a memory um, that they had of their person that they lost. They could very well be crying. They could very well be angry or mad. um, And that's valid. But I guess just understanding that 
grief is a lifelong process. So it's never um, inappropriate to just check on someone and see how they're doing, even after years and years and years has passed. It doesn't matter um, how long that person, how long it's been since that person has passed. But um, it's just vital for us to really cling on to just making sure everybody's good even after that occurrence has happened. Calls get less frequent. Um, so it's really important to just really continuously, if you're in that immediate community with that person, it's important that you always just check in on them and just seeing how they're doing. Because again, grief hits in waves and in different random ways. Um, so, yes. Yeah, all right. Well, our last question today, or I guess a two-parter. So. Is there a particular scripture that you cling to um, when you're feeling the weight of grief and loss? And then I would also ask as we close, if you have any words of encouragement to anyone listening who is dealing with grief um, or any young believer who is grappling with this process. Right. So a scripture that I love and I just live it um like it's like a mantra of mine is psalms 34 14 and then also psalm 34 and 18 so 34 and 14 says turn away from evil do good seek peace and work to maintain it some versions say um pursue it so seek peace and pursue it um and i feel like that's more so a lesson of encouragement um that people can undertake when they are like dealing with the process of grief after, you know, the whole every the funeral happened and all this stuff, like you have to literally work <laughs> to maintain some type of peace in your life, which is unfortunate. But at the same time, um, God gave us peace as a promise through the Holy Spirit. John 14 talks about that. So um, just knowing that peace is literally yours. It is your portion. Sometimes you're going to have to fight for that peace, but it's rightfully yours as a child of God. So when you're faced with any type of situation, whether that be grief, whether that be anxiety, depression, um, that comes against your peace, know that 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 is valid and that is normal. Um, but again, peace is yours. It is your portion. And God wants to freely give that to you as you being his child. Um, and then also 34 and 18, Psalm 34 and 18 basically just says that God is with the brokenhearted. Um, those who are crushed in spirit, he is with them. So again, while you're undergoing this depression, while you're undergoing any type of pain, understand that God sometimes, um, he used people who dealt with depression. He used people who dealt with pain. And I feel like God understands how our mind works. He understands how we are as people. And he wires us sometimes to feel, you know, emotions. So again, I feel like we often live in a world where, you know, we say that depression is, there's like a stigma around depression and anxiety. But at the end of the day, it's a normal emotion for any type of painful experience. You just have to know that God is with you. And it's easier said than done because there has been times where I've dealt with depression and it's been hard getting out of the bed. It's been hard doing normal things like, um, but I had to know that God was with me. This was not my end. Like this couldn't have been my end. That depression was not my ending moment. So um, just know that God is with you through it all. Um, and he's forever there. He's a present help. So, yes. 
amazing thank you so much for being here thank you, you for so having awesome. me oh, I'm so happy. oh and you all um you're you want to plug your your podcast also sure so we're listen we're kind of undergoing some rebranding right now but um my podcast is secure sessions with shelby jamise so it's just a platform where we talk about topics like these um and just the intersectionality between faith and mental health um topics that I'm very passionate about. So please feel free to listen, but yes. I pray you enjoyed our discussion today and felt the agape love all up in the building. If you want to be locked in with this love, join me back here next month. And if you do not have a church home, I'd love to connect you with one. So please take advantage of the ways to connect with me listed in the description. Welcome to the family love bug and remember God loves you. And so do I. We'll talk soon. Bye.